You're listening to Range Minded from Independence Indoor Shooting. This is episode 11, where we dive into range etiquette. We talk about range safety first and foremost, but then we go over what makes the difference between good and bad range behavior, some things to avoid when you're at the range, and we throw in a few interesting stories that we've all experienced as range safety officers. As always, thanks for listening, and we hope you'll enjoy Range Minded episode 11, The Proper Range Etiquette. Hello, and welcome to Range Minded, episode number 11. 11. Welcome back, guys. We are all back together again. Steve is back with us. One big happy family. Steve Zimmerman, Ricky Kasner, and myself, Mark Long. Today, we're going to talk about range etiquette. Range etiquette. Now, this goes beyond just the range rules. I like how Steve is just... Repeating. He's jumping <laughs> at the bit right at now. At the bit. He's got a lot of stories. <laughs> We're uh, going to talk more uh, more than just range rules, because obviously there's safety rules that are no laughing matter. No. But there are some things that you can do to be a, a better range user, I guess. And there are some stories I think that we'll share of some not-so-good range users. Yeah, I'm sure some stuff will come to mind. Um because, yeah, you, you can be annoying or make other people uncomfortable, which is... Very dangerous. It, it, it could be a, real, a, a really bad day at the range with some yeah. people. And that's the thing. And, and just to be, I guess, to start off on a serious note is, yeah, things can happen real fast before you even know what's going on. So mm-hmm. it is important to be safe. Um, and maybe we should start with a little bit of range safety, just in case. Because... A lot of people may only have an outdoor range where there is no range safety officer, mm-hmm. or they go out into BLM land. Um, so why don't we start with that, uh, Steve? As the uh, you know range uh, director, range manager yeah. at Independence Indoor Shooting, the range something, the range, range something guy, together. the range whatever. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it says on my business card, actually. Whatever. Um, why don't you kind of share with us some of the uh, safety rules we have at least here at independence um and how we say stay so safe here sure i can only assume that most of the listeners have been here before but hopefully we get some new listeners um every i think every week we get one or two more uh when you come here obviously we got the general safety rules then there's usually four that everybody follows right so you um, no matter what, you're going to treat every gun like it's loaded all the time, no exceptions, right? Uh, because we're treating it like it's loaded, we're never going to point that gun at something that we're not willing to destroy, so we got to keep it pointed in a safe direction. <clears throat> Excuse me, here, the downrange is the only direction, not the ceiling or the floor or your neighbor, obviously. Um, finger off trigger till you made the decision to fire, and then uh, you got to know where that bullet's going to stop, right? So this is where, you know, when I give a safety brief at, at the range, um, I, I try to take it outside the walls of the range as well. So when people are out in the desert shooting, you got to really think about where that, that bullet's going to terminate. So you got to pay attention to your backstop or, or what's beyond your target. And uh, I, I think a lot of people get excited when they go out to the desert and they don't pay attention to what's, mm-hmm. what's really happening. I've heard some incredible stories. Jeff, our gunsmith, was telling me one last year that happened to him that was yeah, pretty crazy. Not fun. No, they, they they pulled up here and his brother were shooting uh, south of town here. And, you know, they were shooting at a target. And all of a sudden, here's this right in front of his foot. Oh, no. Up. And, and if you know Jeff, he's um, he didn't hold anything back as far as the conversation from that point. And they looked around and they could see the pickup from where these people were shooting. So they know that the people could see them. And um, they were shooting in their direction. In their direction. Oh, that would not go and, over uh, well. And... <laughs> I think for me, it'd be tough to not to return fire at that point. <laughs> I guess they went over there and they had a, a, a really in-depth conversation about safety. Um, 
And I'm sure it was colorful, which it should have been at that point. I Yeah, there's really no reason to hold back at no. that point. No, it's crazy. Um, so that's why it's so important when, when you go out. And then I tell, you know, like scouting organizations and stuff, they need to set up. Um, they need to set up a shooting line. They need to have mm-hmm. a range safety or dead range safety officer dedicated to that event. And and I don't think that a lot of scouting uh, scout leaders think about that either. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's, some of scout leaders might not even have that much experience shooting themselves. Yeah. So and and if they're not aware, uh, not shooting themselves, but you know, right? Yeah, please. Don't <laughs> be awful. Uh, and if they're not aware in the scouting organization, um, they require somebody have some sort of certification, whether it's an NRA range safety officer or an instructor at any shooting activity in a BSA event. Um, and I, I think that gets overlooked. Yeah, it's not necessarily something you think about because you just go, oh, we're going to go out shooting and nothing's going to happen. And- well, in this area, too, it, if you're not from out of state, everybody grew up shooting, save a few. The, the vast majority of the state population um, spent time with behind a firearm. So... So I have experience also just going out. I, I never even shot in an indoor range for my first, I'd say, 24 years of life. Really? I, yeah, I had never shot in an indoor range because we always just went out mm-hmm. to the desert. That's all you did. That's what you did, yeah. Yeah, and uh, and I grew up in Nevada, in Reno. So there was actually, Nevada is 85% BLM, so there's a lot of space you can be able to just shoot. It's just too um, it's hot. It's hot sometimes. You, le- <laughs> you learn to get over that, though. But places like Idaho, and Idaho is pretty good still, but it doesn't have that much open space, that BLM. So well, you it's have closing the, in, too. Yeah, you have the population growing, mm-hmm. more people going out there, and they have never, maybe never even held a firearm. And so the question comes, and I've had a lot of crazy experiences, not in Nevada, because usually when you're in Nevada you're shooting by yourself. There's not another soul around. Um, But here, actually on the eastern side of the state, um, crazy, crazy. In Colorado especially, actually, uh, when I owned my own business, I I gave my uh, students an option if they wanted to go to an indoor range, which cost cost them more money, or they could go to National Forest and we could go shoot there. Uh Uh-huh. But pretty soon I put the kibosh on even the national forest forest option because it was just too dangerous. I could trust sure. my students. I would establish a line. I was a range safety officer. And even though I was communicating with the other uh, people out there on the range, you know, I would call cold range, let them know I'm going down to change targets, things like that. <laughs> And they would still start, they would start shooting while we were down there. Oh my gosh. And it was just like, so yeah, it it gets, it gets dangerous as population grows. And so that's an important thing to talk about is what you were, what you were saying is like, how do you handle it out in the desert Mm -hmm. or in the wilderness when you're shooting with other people? Right. Well, and even there are indoor ranges that don't have range safety officers. Mm -hmm. I remember back in Illinois, there was one that had been around for quite a long time, had looked like it had been around for quite a long time, and you just paid your range fee in the office and then walked over to the indoor range, and and that was it. And I think most indoor ranges are that way. Maybe the modern ones now, um, they see the benefit of having somebody patrolling the range. Um, But a lot of times, it's just somebody at the range counter, they'll look up and look at the monitor, you'll have cameras in the range. And and the bad thing about that is by the time something happens, whether it's something minor or major, um, it takes 
you know time for somebody to get into the range to make a correction so somebody might be stupid like so here we have a, a cased and holster drill outside of the shooting booth so you're not ever going to handle a firearm outside of that booth and if if somebody's just watching the screen making that correction to the shooter they may not even realize they did it and that time's already passed instead of being you know remitted right in the bud right off the bat and, mm-hmm. and, and using it as a teaching moment instead of as an insulting moment or, or an accusation right and i think even if it's a minor incident somebody running through the range and moving quickly is going to put people on edge anyway mm-hmm. like if they're running down the range to try to correct something from somebody yeah. it's it's going to kind of put everybody on edge yeah like you said it makes all the other customers nervous and they're like, I'm not going to that range again. Or like, what am I going to do wrong? Or what are they going to ding me on yeah. that I don't know about? And I've been to ranges where, maybe I've worked at ranges where there's, um, I, I I'm not laid back when I'm officiating on a range. I'm not I'm not chill, but I'm not aggressive, overly aggressive either. I try not to be like, oh, you gotta run. You know what I mean? <laughs> You're vigilant it's, but friendly. Yeah, yeah. I, I try to use it as a teaching thing. I, I want to teach somebody the safety, not. Um, and not belittle them and tell them how stupid they are by not doing it and get out of my range type of thing. That's not the point. The idea is to keep shooters, um, keep them shooting, right? Have them enjoy the activity and hoping bring, hope they bring other people later and do it again. We want to make right. sure that's a very positive experience. We don't want to have any kind of negative um, reinforcement to where they, they don't like shooting anymore. Nobody likes to feel stupid. And I think there's a little bit of a learning curve when it does come to shooting, especially with safety. Mm-hmm. And it takes a while to get that safety in your head to where it's yeah. second nature. And that it is, I think it is important, you're right, to be able to teach people rather than um, belittle them yeah. or make them feel stupid. When I've been an RSO, I've, you know. And I don't want to make it sound like if, if there's like an obvious or re- repeated infraction that, that I'm like, oh, come on now. You got to do it. Like if it's something a big deal, I will kick people off. I don't care. I'd rather have one upset customer than a whole range full of people really uneasy and, and not sure what's going on or, or have a an incident that... Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. A major incident. you can incident, always yeah. look back and regret that you didn't do something or mm-hmm. you can just act when you know you need to. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it comes down to just using your eyes and having kind of a gut reaction sometimes yeah. where you listen to your gut and say, something's off here. And, and I really like being an artist, so I think it's it's a lot of fun. I always kind of liken it to being like a bartender, you know. Yeah, kind of. I could see that. You're, you're always you're, people are there to have fun and or to practice or whatever, and and you're there to help them, and not that I don't know. Maybe drinking is fun. I don't drink. I don't know, but but you're there to be a friend and to teach. It's a communal activity. Yeah. There's you're kind of all there together for the same thing. Yep, yeah, and it's a familiar face. Usually they come to see you and hey, Steve, how are you? I'm good. You want to shoot my gun? Yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> and uh, it, it's fun. I, I enjoy that interaction, um, but like I say, if even if they're a, a seasoned member or whatever, I don't. I'll I'll remind them. I'm not worried about it. Yeah, that's a good way to be. As he hits his watch against the counter, I take that off. That was a good watch. It still is. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Yeah. You don't put it on that desk. <laughs> you might lose, lose it. it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you could only see the office. <laughs> Should just put up all the guns as soundproofing. Yeah. Just got guns strewn around the table. <laughs> that would work. Um, so, yeah, that's a little bit about safety. Obviously, you want to make sure that that's top of mind whenever you go to any range, whether there's an RSO right. or not, whether it's indoor or outdoor. Or, or just shooting as a group. If you're taking you know, friends camping or whatever, it's you need to establish some kind of, of firing line 
and some kind of protocols as far as commands, safety, having somebody. And I know it sounds super. A designated person. Yeah, it sounds super cheesy and silly that if you're going to go camping, you're going to have somebody dedicated to watching the uh, watching the safety of the rest of the shooters. But in reality, if if you don't, and it, it may not, accident may not happen, or, or it may, um, why not have somebody just there paying attention to help out? And then you can switch people out so it's not one guy left out an extra set of eyes never yeah. hurt anybody no it's uh well even with a lot of accidents happen camping and stuff it's it's silly not to even with the uh, classes that i've rso there's usually one or two instructors and mm-hmm. then there's myself rsoing and there's maybe 14 people there's mm-hmm. seven people on the line each time and even every once in a while they'll you know they'll catch something i won't or i'll catch something yeah. they won't and whether that's you know somebody swinging their gun up and down Mm-hmm. Or crossing the line, or trying to rack their slide and move the gun yep. next to their neighbor rather than with their body. We all kind of have to watch, and and we probably don't catch a hundred percent of the no. mistakes either. You, you probably won't. Um, <clears throat> I don't know how to make this sound without making it sound like our our SOs are worthless. But the reality is, and then it's not ours; it's any RSO in any range. You're probably they they, they won't stop stuff a hundred percent of the time, and. Chances are they're going to be the first observer to something happening, whether mm-hmm. it's uh, in the reality suicide or somebody getting shot. Yeah. A bullet is fast. Yeah, a trigger finger's fast. Yeah, things a can lot happen faster very quickly. Than somebody even walking all the way across the range. Yeah, like uh, we can talk about what happened at Guns and Gear over in, in Idaho Falls. Idaho Falls, um, and that's that's a range you're very familiar very with. Familiar with, yeah. Um, but yeah, so somebody took their own life. Mm-hmm. And there was an RSO on the range. Yeah, there was. Um, you know, it, and that is a sad reality to ranges, and I don't normally tell people this, that, um, that suicide on the range is a reality. Um, just because it's easy to get a gun, they don't, there's, no, there's no background check to rent a firearm to shoot at a range. Um, there are some things that we do as a range, and most ranges do, to, to try to see that and keep that from happening in the beginning. There are some signs, but... Sometimes it just happens. That's just the way it is. Um, and I don't want to go down a dark hole. But, yeah, that's that's kind of something that you need to be aware of, too, as a shooter on the range. That there is a reality of... There's an imbalance. Uh, yeah. There, there's a reality of bad things happening all the mm-hmm. time. Um, and that's... I guess that still does tie into range etiquette. Being being a shooter um, on the range, you still got to be observant. You still have to be out of the, the white... I guess. Yeah, I was going to say, even yeah. even on the range, you kind of have to, well, you do have to be situationally aware mm-hmm. to make sure that people that you're with are acting safely. Or, you know, maybe there's somebody next door yeah. in the next booth who's acting erratically or something like that. There's something that's off. Absolutely. And there's no shame in telling the RSO saying, hey, just want to let you know yeah. or even coming out to the counter and say there's something weird going on here then you know the rso or the yeah. range can take the proper steps and, and i'll be i'll be 100 honest um more than once we've asked people to leave because and maybe i've been around it a little bit more i have been around it more than some of the rso's just just uneasy about things and so mm-hmm. yeah we've we've you asked people follow to follow your gut yeah i'd rather not clean up a mess it's it's much better to be safe rather yeah. than sorry like you said it's rather yeah. it's easy it's better to have one person who's maybe upset mm-hmm. rather than have something major happen yeah yeah we've we've uh, asked people to leave before well and we've had a couple of incidents already here nothing crazy nothing but a physical couple of reloads yeah that have blown up the guns <laughs> 
mostly people not paying attention to yeah. what they're doing. But luckily, no no real safety, yeah. um, physical injury. Well, and I can tell you that's uh, and like Mark Mark brought up the the classes um, earlier, and that's a huge thing for for me as a academy director and i know as our rso's and then our uh our instructors uh actually recently our instructor one of our um top instructors he uh he sent me a link to uh training that happened over it was it was a high-end elite trainers that they were they were carrying on this like week-long training event and even them he's like uh, um, this me, issue had you sent me that link, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was a training course. I can't remember what it was, but it was Masada Yub. Yeah, was yeah. was the instructor. And if you guys don't know who Masada is, now that guy, <laughs> that guy's a big deal. Yeah, but even the long story short, there is that even he had a, a negligent discharge. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He was, I think, he grabbed somebody's, and that's kind of a violent term, but he just picked up somebody's revolver out of their holster and was showing something, but pointed it at the sky. So at least he had it pointed in a relatively safe direction. Probably not the safest, but he had checked that it was clear, had somebody else check it, closed the cylinder, brought the hammer back and said, this is how you do this, and bam. And a round went off. Yeah, and so it it showed, and what the point was, my instructor was sending that to me, is you can never get in your comfort zone of no. oh we've got this taken care of we've got this handled well, because firearms i mean they're they're dangerous tools and that's where if they're not used properly yeah sorry to interrupt that's where that's where it comes back to the four general safety rules is keep you know treating that gun like it's loaded and pointing it in a safe direction if if we're following three of those four rules there should never be any major injuries the minute we we drop down, it's kind of like a stool, right? You can have up to three legs on a stool. If you go to two two legs on a stool, it's going to tip over. Yeah. Uh, same thing with that the, with the safety rules. You got to be super vigilant. Well, and there's four safety rules generally that people like to say, but the NRA has. Yeah, there's like a whole bunch. Of them. I can many, more. Thirty yeah, safety rules. There's a whole bunch. But and it, it, and it, it gets into hygiene and different yeah. things like that. But. And it, and and that's something we probably should talk about too. We'll get into that maybe a little bit later, but. Yeah, there's just those four general are, are really, everything kind of boils down to those ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the foundation, I think, in range etiquette. Yeah, 100%. Well, let's move on to etiquette then. Yeah. Uh, because you can be a, a courteous shooter or mm-hmm. a, a discourteous shooter. I've seen both. Um, <laughs> let's maybe, start, maybe I've been both. <laughs> <laughs> let's start this way. Steve, what is your like biggest pet peeve when you see uh, like on the range? Biggest pet peeve. Hmm. And not necessarily something unsafe, but rather something that just annoys you that people do. <laughs> I uh, I see these guys play Call of Duty all day long, and they decide they're going to actually come shoot. And uh, they think they know everything. I don't, the couch commandos, that, that just drives me nuts. And, and they're unteachable. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They say, oh, I saw this on YouTube. They don't say that, but that's... That's the I'm mindset. pretty sure that's where the mindset is exactly. Well, yeah, I, I watched Travis Haley do this on YouTube. Well, you're an idiot. <laughs> I heard something once there. Uh, oh, I was reading a forum. That was that's what it was. And this this kid on there was like, oh, I'm going to the range for my first time. I'm so nervous. He's like, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna shoot a rifle, and he's like, I'm just nervous that I'm gonna start quick scoping. 
You know oh how you, you know how in video games, yeah, where they bring scope. the scope up yeah. and shoot, and, 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 yeah. and then the guy responded, he's like, "You're an idiot." Yeah, <laughs> like, you're gonna learn gonna real happen. fast. <laughs> so, but yeah. yeah, anyway, yeah, that's beside I mean, the that, point. That's on the video game level, right? But that's really not even all. I, finger, you know, trigger control that that super drives me nuts. You know, yeah. and I'll I'll correct people multiple times. Hey, watch, make sure, you know, if you're bringing that gun back, take that finger off the trigger. That always makes oh, okay. me the most nervous is oh, yeah. when, yeah, they... And they'll do the magnum PI where the, the muzzle comes up right next to their nose, finger on the trigger the entire time, and then they'll fly rod that Do they that blow the, Do they blow the smoke off their muzzle? Uh, I'm no. sure some people do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you see people point it at, at the sky or they come, like, instead of being at low ready... They bring that gun up and then swing it down in front of them. Yeah, that's what I'd say. If you can imagine like a fishing rod, I mean, that's exactly where that muzzle is doing. And, just <laughs> and I, w- there, I wonder why there's bullet holes in the baffles. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> that's the funny part, going downrange and seeing from beginning to end, there's bullet holes in every single baffle we have and, and the ricochets on the walls. Including above the booth. What? And how? Sorry, guys. If you're the one that shot shot the ceiling, <laughs> I'm not sorry. If you're the one that shot the ceiling inside my booth, you're an idiot. Yeah, you should be lucky and, you don't have to pay for it. And if and if you want to sit down and and be offended, I'll be happy to have a conversation because I need somebody to pay for those holes. Yeah, get your checkbook <laughs> out, and then we'll have a conversation. And, and uh, you sign the waiver saying that you'll uh, you'll pay for any damages. And yeah, if. Is we, that in the waiver? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Twenty dollars a hole or twenty five, minimum. Well, and there's also on the target runners. Yeah, that stuff's expensive. Those and there's, I mean, well, I, they have to be yeah. because they have to be able to withstand bullets. And <laughs> and, uh, and I guess that's another pet peeve. If at close we, range, we have some amazing people that help out on the range. If you haven't talked to Mike Perkins, that he's usually out a hundred yard, he is. Honestly, a world-class long-range shooter. Really? Legitimately. Yeah. He, he went um, to New Zealand and won. Yeah, he teaches all wow. over the world. He hunts all over the world. The man is a genius. I, I, and I'm not, I'm not like, making that eye. I'm dead serious. <laughs> um, so if you have any prob- you know, problems trying to dial in a scope, if you have any questions about loads, the guy's an encyclopedia. But I go into the 100-yard range, and I see ceiling, you know. Uh, in the 100-yard range? It, Groups on on <laughs> baffles that at at crazy oblique angles from the booth, like, are you really that dumb that you you can't see? You know you're shooting up, <laughs> and they're like, why am I not hitting my target? Well, I swear I'm hit, I'm and that's usually when it. Mike's not there. I'm, I want to point say out too; these baffles are about eight feet high. Yeah, you can't reach them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you really well, have to that's be like shooting ten, ten feet straight up. Yeah, it's. It boggles the mind that oh, I can't hit anything downrange. Well, I mean, it's because you're not going downrange. <laughs> um, you're hitting the ceiling. Yeah, and like I said, you see the the walls on either side. There's ricochets. Yeah, on there. I'm surprised there aren't as many on the floor. And I can understand, you know, left and right limits. Like I, I can understand, you know, scratching down the wall. There are holes in in, in the attack range um, that obviously came from. From a far booth on the left towards somebody's target on the right, um, very destructive behavior. Yeah. Somebody that didn't care, um, but you know, scratching lineal down the wall. I understand that. And the floor, I'm far less concerned about the floor than I am anything else. Um, 
But I, d- I don't understand people. Surprisingly, though, there aren't. I, I mean, I don't think I've seen very many, if any, holes or ricochets yeah. in the floor. Maybe it's like a strong, it like is a super strong, strong floor. floor. Well, it's yeah. it's a high pressure concrete, and then it's coated with a with with a, a coating on it. And usually, when people shoot, as long as it's not you know close to straight down, it when a bullet hits a floor, it doesn't bounce back to the ceiling. Some some people it just follows the floor. What happens is it hits the floor, and it maybe stays about a foot off the floor parallel into the into the backstop which is what it would do to a wall mm-hmm. when you hit well i guess it, what it does to the wall when you hit the wall inside yeah yeah, yeah. i didn't know that mm-hmm. they kind skip of nice across one. so like if you think of like uh skipping, skipping a, a rock, rock across the water that's what a bullet does to a surface oh, okay because yeah i feel like in movies where you shoot at a wall like a cement wall people think it automatically bounces right back Mm-mm. no <laughs> the only difference is if if you're shooting, if you're trying to curve a bullet off a wall, if the wall has a curve to it, then the potential of the projectile following that wall is is great. But there's not a lot of round walls, radius walls, that, <laughs> especially in shooting ranges. Yeah, myth dispelled. Yeah. <laughs> uh, actually, you brought up a good point talking about shooting uh, targets that are not in your mm. booth. Cross what do you cross shooting? Cross lane shooting. Cross lane shooting. That is not allowed. That is not allowed. People still do it though. Don't yeah. Husbands like to do it to wives. And Why? They just to mess them. with them. Just to tease them. Oh, to shoot buddies, their targets. buddies will do that too when they're shooting. You know, it's and it's a rule. I'm I'm far less concerned about that rule than some of the other ones. But it's if it's somebody else's target, if somebody you don't even know, yeah. I'd, if yeah. somebody was putting holes in my target, I'd be a little a little upset. <laughs> yeah, because you pay for those targets. Yeah. And sometimes the ones, especially the reactive ones, can be relatively it, it, pricey. It's more money, and it's irritating. Yeah, have we run into that issue? Yeah, so just just be courteous. You know, when you go into the range, you, uh, we get a. Okay, here's another pet peeve of mine. Um, it's a shooting range. It's going to be loud. Your protection. Well, we have people complaining. Well, his revolver's too loud. What? You, what did you expect <laughs> at a shooting range? So there's another one of my pet peeves. Well, what are your thoughts though on people who have short barrel rifles or short or AR pistols, mm-hmm. um, and they have a huge compensator on them yeah. to mitigate recoil? I might be-, be that guy. Because well, this has been a thought of mine because I have an AR that I'm building and I want to put uh, a compensator on it to kind of reduce the the mm-hmm. recoil a little bit. Plus, it looks cool. Whatever, don't care. Um, Tacticalness. Got to have a little bit. If anybody looks in your safe, they know. I like the traditionalist Ricky I, over here. You know, there. I lost <laughs> I lost all of my firearms in a boating accident, so I don't know what you're talking about. What a shame. It's terrible. Sorry to hear that. You yeah. took them all. All your truck guns went yeah, duck it, hunting with you. They did. I lost them all in the swamp. <laughs> Bummer. <laughs> terrible. But you get these people with loud compensators mm-hmm. on or loud muzzle devices. What are your thoughts on that? Is that something that people <laughs> sh- who own the AR should be considerate of, or is it just kind of something you yeah. should expect nowadays? Again... It's a shooting range. What, what do you expect? I understand the complaint. 100% understand. And it's usually the older shooters that are frustrated. Um, again, I, I understand. Well, I can kind of sympathize. A lot of times. I would say for that, the majority of our complaints come from the 100 yard of like people saying, I'm sighting in my rifle. And then this guy goes and blasts. A large caliber. I don't know if it knocked my scope off. Yeah, I don't know, know if that's my scope. I don't off. know if that particular customer is listening, but I'm sorry, dude, you're incorrect. <laughs> the, the 50 will not knock your crosshairs off of your scope. 
so I don't even know how close the dude was to the 50, but the 50 went off, and he claimed that all the time he spent zeroing his scope, and it, it went off. If a, per, a percussion of another firearm um, 15 feet away knocked your scope off, you need a new scope. You need to tighten your <laughs> screws down. Yeah, you got it's problems like, with your rings and your mouths. <laughs> um, it's not, not somebody else's gun. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about good etiquette then. Good things? Yeah, good things. Well, Happy well, thoughts? I want to point out that when we got in this morning, Steve was about half awake, and he was talking like, hey, how's it going? Oh, and now, now I got him all riled up. Mm. So we're going to try to keep that train rolling as long as we can. <laughs> what else irritates Steve? But no, let's talk, about, let's talk about good etiquette and what you can do to be a good shooter on a range. Sure. The very first thing is don't bring your gun uncased or unholstered into my range. Mm-hmm. Okay? Um, into the store. We have a sign right out front says all firearms must be cased or holstered um and and we take that serious i have well, no have, idea if that look. gun is loaded or not yeah yeah i mean it makes you nervous mm-hmm. i it like number one you don't you don't know how much training that guy has had sure. um number two i don't know is anyone even if you're masada ayub you don't have enough training to be carrying a gun around that is loaded, potentially loaded, sure. unless you're at the booth. You know, it's just like you just don't do it. Well, let, let me let me tell you a story. Okay, so we talked about uh, guns again. RFL. I used to work there. Okay, I was the range manager over there. Um, one night it was actually getting close to closing time, so uh-huh. it's getting late, and I'm talking to this this couple. They're thinking about buying a gun, and the door dinger goes off, and I see this guy coming in. And you can kind of see him over the shelves. He was not a very tall guy, but I knew he had something in his hands and I hear this so I says pardon me a second and I lean over I have my hand on my gun yeah and I lean over and this guy's walking up and he's got this gun in his hand right it's a uh, look like a, a an HK MP7 which I knew at that point I was like well this guy doesn't have an MP7 right he comes up and he's like hey what will you give me for this gun it was an airsoft gun he decided to rack his airsoft gun as he walked through the door, oh I guess, to God. check it. And I didn't tell him, but, you know, I was, this guy had no idea how close he was to not going home. Yikes. Because mm-hmm. I have no idea what his intent is. And I'm, you have to assume I wasn't the worst. just going to blast the guy for no reason, right? But you have to assume the worst. But I had no idea what was going on. Um, and, and then he's like, well, I want, I want this gun. I was like, you can't. I cannot get an MP7 for you. And I know you will not pass a background check to get this MP7. <laughs> But so that's what I'm saying. You know, bring a gun in cased or holstered, please, because it's not like all of us. And we have cases. Yeah, I've got loaner and cases. And we have buckets there. that we can give you if you don't have a holster yeah. for your pistol or a case. But I, but it's not like all of us here, all the staff are like trigger happy. We're ready to. We want to blast a fool for coming in the door doing something stupid. We not don't at all. I do not. None of our staff wants to have to do or that. Or do we even want to yell at somebody? But no, you don't I mean, want it's to. It's like. We've had a we had a very seasoned veteran, obviously a veteran, come in um, here. Um, Brother's he's he's got licensing, he's got some cool stuff, and I'm pretty sure it was an M4. And then he had a one of his cool grenade launchers on the bottom that, that ran 12 gauge shotgun shells. Uh, one of the staff went over and says, "Hey, you know what? We we need to have you cased or holstered. Can you mind if I check your gun real quick? Mag in the gun, chambered. Yikes." Opened up the, he had a 12 gauge ready to rock in the little grenade launcher. And then the guy wondered why we were mad at him. Yeah. Well, let's see. Yeah. I, uh, 
I, I, I feel bad sharing these stories because maybe they're listening, but, um, I had one guy, he came in and he asked for a, uh, uh, holster. He was looking for a holster for his pistol. So he's looking for a holster for his pistol because he doesn't currently have one. So he's carrying his pistol around in his hand. Oh, dear. Oh, Lord. And when I go to check the gun, it's loaded. All the whole mag mag is loaded. Yeah, up it's loaded up and like, chambered. And, and he's just carrying the gun around. And I'm like, yeah. so, I think some, some of it just comes down to yeah, not thinking about understanding. it. Understanding. So, so please... <laughs> I guess what this conversation comes down to is if you're coming to the store, whether you're going to just hang out, I, I totally promote open carry, concealed carry. I, I'm all for either one. Keep that gun in the holster or in in the bag or case, whatever you got, until if you're, you're planning on shooting, wait till you go on the range to, to show anybody. If you're coming and you're looking for a holster, don't pull out your gun and be like, hey, I've seen too many people get flagged by customers' guns. I've been flagged mm-hmm. by customers' guns. And what's the number one thing that they say once you say, uh, can I please check Oh, that? it's unloaded. Oh, it's unloaded. And how many times is it not? I got I got chastised by a very good friend of mine. Um, I showed him a gun. He wanted to look at a, at a Glock, and I showed him the gun. And I flagged him, right? Nonchalant, didn't even think about it. Uh, I won't use his language, but he was very stern about not pointing a gun at him. Please don't do that, sir. Yeah, I'm that's, sure that's exactly, that's exactly what he said. What he said. <laughs> and he, he is a top-tier instructor. Uh, he is a legitimate instructor. And at first, I was like, you know, thinking of myself, what? And then I was like, you know what? He's right. Rules are rules, and I broke a rule. And I think that's something good to point out, that it can happen to anybody, mm-hmm. even if you're around guns. Every day, all day, it can happen to everybody. Yeah. Um, I have, we were in our competitions, I was using a twenty two pistol, and I have a case for it. And when we do the competitions, you have to bring the guns cased or holstered up to the table, yep. you know, to load and make ready. You can't do that and there's at re- the booths. There's reasons for those rules. 100%. And so it's kind of a more righty-friendly gun, and being a lefty, it's a little tougher to get that in the case. And I acc- and somebody pointed out to me, I accidentally swept my own hand mm-hmm. with the pistol trying to get it in the case. And I was like, oh, like thanks for pointing that out. Now I know I have to kind of switch it and do it another way, right. get, get it in the case another way. So that's even something to consider. You don't even sweep yourself because yeah. sure don't want to get shot in the hand. Mm-hmm. It happens. Uh, one question, though, and I've always been curious about this because I've never done it, but if you have, if you're con- carrying concealed, mm-hmm. like inside the waistband or something, and you want to come shoot, you can use that firearm, can't you? Um, yeah, you can. What's uh, the What's the protocol for that? So we do have a. It stays in the holster till you're inside the booth. Um, and you draw it one time. Yeah. So we do have a holster protocol here at the store. I'm happy f- to uh, spend a few minutes, and any of the, the range officers are happy to spend some time with you to make sure that gun's coming in and out of the holster correctly and and. You know, we're not flagging yourself. You're not keeping your finger in the trigger. But that doesn't apply to concealed carry holsters. So um, we do have some classes where we, we talk about concealed carry, and you, you may have a chance to do that. Um, is that right, Ricky? You have mm-hmm. some concealed carry classes that way. But as a general on the range, n- no con- no concealed carry drawing. We had a Before we opened, we had an instructor slash competitive shooter that appendix carried, and he... We walked. I walked them all through the range. And, you know, showed them the facilities, and he's like, "You're gonna let people, you know, draw from the holster?" And I said, "Nope." He says, "Why?" And I says, "Cause I don't want to deal with injuries." Oh, I will never. Well, yeah, 
you tell me somebody that's appendix carrying uh, doesn't have a higher risk of, of hitting an artery than a guy outside the waistband strong side? Mm-hmm. Or yeah, something it's... even more important than an artery? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and we've heard those stories uh, of people. Never never again will they have children or have that opportunity. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah, so it's not that I don't have the confidence that that particular shooter couldn't do it. It's if I'm going to keep a rule, if I'm going to establish a rule, I'm sorry, it's across the board and I'm not going to cave. That's just the way it is, and I don't, I don't care if I hurt your feelings. Right. right. So in, if you do have a concealed carry piece that you're carrying mm-hmm. and you want to shoot it at the range, you come in, probably best to communicate that and say, yeah, I'm going to shoot a gun yeah. that I actually have inside the waistband right now, and probably let the RSO know if there's one on there as well, and then take it out of your holster, set it, or, set it point it down or range or on the, the booth, and then you're good to go. The better way to do it, um, I would think is at least my holster. Some holsters are different, but I can actually just pull out the whole holster mm-hmm. and then put that on the bench, and I can draw the gun from the holster. Mm-hmm. So you're never once drawing from concealment yeah. with the risk of, of shooting not because that trigger, trigger guard, guard is is covered. And, and you know, this is it made me think of something. This is kind of a good topic to just take a quick tangent on. So um, some of the older guys that grew up watching Miami Vice. <laughs> Remember how cool that the the 1911 is in the shoulder holster. Now, some of those have a different orientation of where the muzzle is on Mm -hmm. that firearm. Um, At a range I used to work at, we had an old dude, a very proficient shooter. The guy was a retired veteran, very capable with a 1911. Um, But it was a horizontal holster. So where's that muzzle? How many people did he muzzle walking in and out of the range? Pointed straight back behind you. Yeah. So, but he was conscious when he when he retrieved his gun out of his holster inside the booth. He turned to where the, the muzzle was downrange to retrieve his firearm. He didn't draw from the holster inside the booth, none of that stuff. But to use his firearm, he paid attention to where that muzzle was to get it out of the holster. Same goes for shooting bags. You know, if ladies have concealed carry purses. You're not going to draw from the purse from my booth. Sorry if, if, if that hurts your feelings, but again, I don't care. Um, I got to be conscious about other people, not just you at the booth. Yeah. So you got to pay attention where that muzzle comes in and out of the holster. Um, so if you have a problem with that, you can come see me. I, we'll have a conversation about it. That's what the desert's for. Yeah. That's what BLM or National Forest is for. Yeah. Uh, or there's like there's holster classes so you can learn safety, for safely mm-hmm. how to do it. That was one of the things in the concealed carry class that I learned was how to properly mm-hmm. draw from the holster. There is a certain way to do it, and depending on where your holster is, whether it's cross draw, strong side, yeah. anything like that, there is a safe way to do it, and it is kind of a muscle memory that you have yeah. to learn. And there's some principles to it, and those a lot of those pr- principles apply to whether it's in a purse or a backpack or a shoulder holster. Those principles are all going to apply, but you just might execute them in a different fashion. Right. Because you have to, like you said, make sure you know where that muzzle is pointed no matter what. Because as soon as that trigger guard is exposed, you know, yep. especially if you're in a situation and there's adrenaline going, you don't know what's... You can't guarantee that your finger is yeah. going to be completely off the trigger. And then a side note to the side note, if you're going to buy a small gun like LCP or something like that and you put it in your pocket, don't be an idiot. Buy a pocket holster, please. <laughs> yeah, don't ever leave the trigger guard exposed if yeah. you're carrying important tangent yeah well and that's an important thing to look at when you get a holster too does it cover your trigger guard yeah don't a lot just, of people will make their own holsters yeah i've made my own holsters and and you I just have okay. to make sure you yeah. have to make sure that that's covering the trigger guard and and spend money on a holster don't buy 
the gun bucket that fits every you know 67 holster 67 firearms and buy one that fits it's important yeah um, well, let's get back to the range a little bit. Yeah, back back to the real topic, right? Um, so we've covered sound, we've covered safety. Mm-hmm. Um, what's something that maybe people don't consider that you think is important to note when you go to a range? Well, this uh, for me, it doesn't really fall under um, etiquette necessarily. But what what drives me nuts is I see people walking into the range with just earplugs. They're like, oh, this is good because it's it's clogging the hole in my ears. But the thing that they don't they don't know is the back of your skull actually can transfer energy into your inner ear as well. Okay. So, at the very least, if you if you're not doubling up with earplugs and uh, earmuffs, at least wear earmuffs because the earmuffs are then coming to the back of the skull they're covering that up but with earplugs just earplugs in your ear you can still damage your hearing and you can't get that hearing back nope it's gonna be gone i usually my rule is i'll wear muffs if we're doing handgun stuff but if it's rifles i'm gonna double up Mm -hmm. most of the time unless i don't have plugs on me but it's always actually in my backpack i always carry the ear protection with me the muffs because you never know if you're gonna be shooting or whatever brings me to another pet peeve let's hear it um dre beats headphones are not ear pro what is it oh yeah people yeah. bring those like oh, yeah you're not wearing dre you're not wearing beats by dre right now but they're no. kind of similar yeah. they're over the ear headphones noise canceling headphones are not ear protection that's kind of sad to hear yeah um i've seen people use cartridges as ear pro well, that's an old school thing that's like back in world war ii or the movies at least yeah. you see they have cartridges in their ears to protect their hearing but yeah. Yeah, I guess it's better than nothing but um, buy proper ear pro spend the money you can get good um, passive earmuffs good sets of muffs for $15 oh, yeah. yeah they're super cheap and they, they do a good job you know or you can even get electronic ones where you can hear yeah. for I don't know 30, 40 I think a pair of Howard lights are 30 or yeah. 40 and I love my uh, I've got I've got some expensive set of ear pro. I, I love them. Um, you can go anywhere from, you know, 10, 15, 20 bucks to set of ear pro to several hundred dollars. And I know this several hundred dollars <laughs> for a, a set of ear pro. There are some benefits to spending a little bit more money. You don't have to spend $500 on a set of earmuffs. Um, I'm kind of a geek. I like to be able to listen to music and I can make phone calls. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Which is probably not quite accurate on the gun range but I wouldn't do it while I'm shooting right because then I just couldn't hear completely but you can listen to music they make bluetooth yeah. headphones there's a couple of folks here who have those they're mm-hmm. uh, Peltors yeah that's I got the Peltor 500s I love the. I don't, I'm I'm kind of partial to Peltor anyway I think they they fit a little better to my head everybody's head's different that's too I got some Howard Light like Ricky's yeah. got there they just don't I have a small head they just don't you do have a small head they don't seal around <laughs> my ears so when when you're consuming, but I have a large brain. Yeah, so, is that <laughs> anyway, what it is? Go on, sorry, when, Steve. <laughs> when you when you consider ear pro, if you're going to go muffs, think about the the padding around the 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 cup of the muff and how it fits to your head. It's got a seal. It really does. Yeah, I have a probably a bigger size head, and I've noticed I tried on the pair of Peltors, and those actually fit a lot better. I love my Peltors. Because the other thing to consider is if you're shooting for an hour or two, mm-hmm. or like in the case of RSOing, we're on the range for four hours. Mm-hmm. You know, eventually those muffs are gonna wear on you and and compress your head a little bit and you're gonna feel it after a while and new muffs it's like having a vice on your head yeah you have to break that's why i like getting the uh 
I like the cheap, you know, one to two dollar ear protection or eye protection glasses because they're thin. Because the worst thing to yeah, happen is the, like the arms of the glasses. Yeah, yeah, they kill your ears after a while. Here's oh, a top, yeah. At least mine. There's another pet so. peeve right there. Glasses. That's another. That's. I guess that falls under safety. Um, your two dollar Walmart sunglasses are not eye pro. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're not shatterproof. No. What are your thoughts on eye shatter resistant? I should say. So a lot of the modern eyeglasses are the polycarbonate lens, which are which are shatterproof. Um, if you can, please put something over, because that's not going to stop brass from getting in or or something from the side or whatever. I've seen it happen bouncing off the walls, and they they catch a, a twenty two casing. You know, right where the the lens meets the cheek, and then they get burned real bad. Mm-hmm. And they make they make eye protection shooting glasses with prescriptions yeah. in them. We have we have bifocal shooting glasses that we sell here. Yeah, and they're not that expensive. Yeah, because that's and and maybe that's not perfect for, on my end, but no. usually I wear just eyeglasses. If I am wearing contacts, though, I do grab a set of yeah. eye protection. If you're willing to spend the money, you can have you know prescription shooting glasses made they can get expensive i'm not going to sugarcoat they can get really expensive well glasses eyeglasses can get expensive as as you move up with the lenses and the frames and all that that's it just is what it is yeah um but that's important and speaking of getting burned by brass Mm, that hurts uh let's talk about clothing yeah all right so this usually goes down to the lady shooters right Unless Steve decides to wear a spaghetti you know, strap tank top and his short a, skirt. Not again. It was really it was embarrassing one last time. time. <laughs> it was worth it. It was embarrassing <laughs> for everybody else. That's why I did it. <laughs> so, so ladies, if we have ladies listening or if, you know, the guys bringing their wives or girlfriends, um, not at the same time, to the range. <laughs> uh, you know, the low-cut shirts, sure, whatever, that's that's not a good idea at the range. I call it the hot brass dance. It's gonna happen. I've had a gun pointed at me because of that. The lady, she took a piece of brass down the blouse, and and it's not comfortable. If you've ever taken brass down the shirt, it hurts. Yeah, it's not fun. Um, and so, in fact, in Idaho Falls, we had a lady shoot the booth because it happened. It went down her shirt, and she flinched, and you know, clinched her hands, and boom, the gun went off inside the booth, hit the wall in the booth. Luckily, they're ballistic. Because the guy next to her could have got it. Um, so please wear a t-shirt or something that that you covers know, the neckline a little bit higher. And no flip flops. That's the other thing. Yeah, hot brass between your toes. So yeah, or hot brass under your heel. So mm-hmm. when it comes to the flip flop thing, like like it is a rule in our range. Um, but I kind of think that uh, the problem will solve itself if you do flip flops <laughs> to the range. Um, so I'm a little less concerned about flip flop because I kind of want that person to get burned in that case is that bad that's really probably shouldn't say that but no it's just you learn by example Mm -hmm. you learn from experience rather it should only happen the one time yeah so but just don't so you can avoid it by actually just wearing shoes that helps and here's the thing i've gotten burned a lot i wasn't wearing a spaghetti strap like steve likes to do on his off time yeah can i get that back by the way uh, yeah (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. but no we'll it'll go down my neck or something in the back when I have a collar. It hurts. And so it's important to talk about what do you do when that happens. Sure. You just realize that we you're going to get burned. Want. It's just going to happen, but keep that gun in a safe direction. Yeah, and that's so, the thing to do. I think what it is is it's a pain response, and your first response to any pain is to tense up. Yep. And if you have your finger on the trigger, 
yeah, you're going to very first thing you do sympathetic yeah, hiring. Yeah, first thing you do is put that gun down safely. Mm-hmm. Safely put it down and then depending on if you can get to it. So if it went down your shirt, ladies, if it went down the front of your shirt, you try and grab and bunch everything up inside that without grabbing skin, right? But just just bunch that shirt up and grab it with that way and so you kind of got a, a hot pad with the with the clothing and just wait. Because um, it cools down pretty quickly. Yeah, I, I've taken brass down the shirt. It it does hurt a lot. Um, I had a twenty two. Stayed. I had a colored shirt on, and it just kind of stuck, and it it stuck on the on my. Oh neck. yeah, you have to peel it off and um, take skin with it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I was actually teaching uh, teaching some ladies on the range how to shoot, and so I, like I just had to grin and bear it for a minute, like because they were in the middle of a shooting string, and I wanted to pay attention to what was going on making sure that you know i didn't want to freak out and freak them out type of thing just avoid it wear wear proper shooting attire you know wear a t-shirt wear a sweatshirt whatever yeah you can wear a t-shirt and jeans and and sneakers it's It's not it's nothing fancy shooting is is not a like you're not going to go to the symphony before or after shooting usually i don't don't know but you know i had a date that would or uh i didn't have the date but a couple came in and they were dressed pretty fr- fancy. Yeah. Well, and you get guys like three piece suit and all this other stuff. <laughs> yeah, the symphony after the range. So I, I, I actually enjoy the symphony. Just by the way, <laughs> it's because you're cultured. I'm not a heathen. <laughs> um, well, no, and uh, you actually, it's interesting because a lot of people you come here five six o'clock. A lot of people do come after work. Sure. And so they're in business attire, and even. You know, you have maybe ladies who have lower cut shirts or just there's a neckline. But even uh, guys, they'll wear a button down yeah. and they'll button it, unbutton it a couple of buttons or something. Yeah. That's all the space it needs the, the, to The potential is there. And if you're bumping up from from handguns to, to rifle rounds. Ooh, that's going to hurt. Uh, at 5.56. Five, five, that's yeah, hot. And you, it stays hot. And you'll, you will scar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Talk to some of the guys that have been in the military like, that have taken, you know, down, down there their clothes or their you know their vests or whatever they they have scars mm-hmm. i believe it, it. it is extremely painful mm-hmm. speaking of brass flying everywhere some people like to go onto the range and take their time mm-hmm. one shot at a time really sure. just take it easy some people just unload and mag dump as fast as they can yep what are your thoughts on that from a safety perspective? Um, Keep it controlled. Yeah, it's not illegal. Here's here's a, some people may not understand. It's not illegal to buy a full eye automatic. You can possess and own one. It's just cost prohibitive for some people. Um, I don't care as long as they're keeping their firing under control and they're not grouping in my my ceiling. But the problem is is less the noise, but more the brass on the floor. Um, if you're a reloader, you want to keep your brass. Um, please. Please your brass. Um, don't just leave it to roller skate around on the floor. That could be a hazard. You 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 can fall. You could trip. You can roll an ankle. You know, I, it. You might not think that that forty five casing is is that big of a step, but you can roll an ankle on a mm-hmm. piece of brass. Hundred uh, percent. Police your brass. Well, especially when we've all seen the Home Alone movies where they. Put all those marbles on oh, the they ground. Step and, on there and slip I mean, and fall. if you have a lot of brass on the floor, it could turn into a bunch of marbles under your feet. It's a reality. It, it is true. Even a twenty-two, you step on it the right way or put your weight yeah. on it, it can slip and fall. And yeah. and God forbid you slip and fall with a firearm in your hand. Oh yeah. Because mm. a lot of ranges that I've been to, at least, and this was back in Illinois, but you couldn't 
fire quickly. You had to like wait at yeah, least a, a couple lot of seconds. Of yeah, there's a lot that way. Um, but it is important, and I I like that we don't have that rule because shooting rapidly um, is a skill that should be trained too. Sure, so if people Especially are coming if to train. Definitely, they should have that ability to be able to yeah. do that. You brought up the falling gun. Another side note: if you accidentally drop a gun off the booth or you drop it on the floor, do not go to save that gun. Oh, yeah. Do not grab a falling gun. Who was it? I heard. Uh, I think this was one of my instructors saying that. Um, oh, yeah, I think it was one of the instructors talking about during police training. He said there was a young a, a girl. She was a you know seasoned veteran as far as law enforcement off, uh, law enforcement goes, and she dropped her firearm because of hot brass. Actually, I think. And then she went to retrieve it, and she killed herself. Whoa. Yeah. She pulled the trigger, and it shot her right in the head, and yeah. she died right then. You you never grab a falling gun. Don't don't try and pick it or you know, catch it before it hits the ground. Let the gun hit the ground. And they're designed. They're designed to fall and not go maybe, off. Maybe not the SIG 320. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't buy that. <laughs> Just kidding. I think, they got that, I think they got that fixed. Yeah, you're right. Most guns now have... Um, Modern guns have drop safeties on them for that reason. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you might scratch a gun. Heaven forbid that you get a battle scar on your firearm. It's a tool. It is not a showpiece. Just get it seracoded. Yeah. Yeah. You'll yeah. be fine. You can do that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was just another tangent. Sorry. That's... No, I but think that, that's that, what about, that still falls under range. That's important. Etiquette. What about revolvers? Are those are those drop safe? Mo- well, yeah, new, let's usually. let's just go with modern day modern, revolvers like modern, an LC, LCR or you should be good because you have a trans what they call a transfer, transfer bar, bar. Mm-hmm. and that's um, that on the moves modern out of the way revolvers when you pull the trigger. Right? No, when you pull the trigger, it actually comes up in. So so the the hammer, if it were to just drop by itself, it just hits the frame of the gun. It's cut to where it wouldn't actually hit the, the firing the pin. But when you legitimately pull the trigger, the transfer bar will come up in front of the the uh, hammer, and it will transfer the hammer's energy into that into the pin into that pin. Good so, to know. Yeah, because that was the first thing I thought of. Obviously, you're not going to try to catch one either way. Yeah. But um, actually, that and that brings up another good point. What if you are firing a semi-auto handgun? And you drop your mag in front of the firing line. Like, let's say it falls, mm-hmm. it hits the booth and skips and falls Seen it out of the range. Yeah. What's the proper etiquette in that instance? Just raise your hand. Let the, the range safety officer know. We have squeegees. Or with the squeegee, I don't mind if you, if, if you can reach it with the squeegee, use the squeegee. If you can't, let the, the range safety officer know. If it is one inch beyond that red firing line, use the squeegee. Don't cross the firing line i it seems petty and silly oh it's just right there i don't care that's it's a rule that safety line is there for a reason um there's no use just pushing the envelope like oh i'll just no just grab the damn squeegee yeah or because you also even just from a non-safety perspective you run the risk of getting yelled at and Mm -hmm. getting kicked out by the rso Mm -hmm. i've had people do repeat offenses that if if they would have humbled themselves, quite honestly, if they would have taken the direction from the range safety officer, they wouldn't have got kicked out. If I it, think that's the key to etiquette today is don't act like a cocky little, you know, <laughs> SOB, I guess you could say, but I don't <laughs> like saying that. Ricky's getting saucy today. <laughs> he must not no, have but, a lot of sleep last night. <laughs> but, 
But for real, come to we we all have stories. We all have war stories. We all have mm-hmm. history in the firearms. Some of us less than others. Yeah. But you don't have to come with a cocky attitude. You know, come I, with a come with an attitude of you're able to learn something. All of us are able to grow yeah. each and every day. And it's usually two two I guess age groups that have a real problem with taking direction from range safety officers. It's the real old boy that's like, I've been shooting my whole life. What's that kid going to be? Mm-hmm. And that happens a lot. Mm-hmm. Or it's the really new shooter, again, that that's watched YouTube. That spends and... time on YouTube. That's watched, well, I've got this video and I watched it. You're an idiot. How much training have you done? Well, I don't need training. Well, then you don't know anything. It's, it's those two groups. And then it's the wide spectrum in the middle that's normally pretty understanding and wants to learn. That's it. Just, just come down a few notches. The range safeties are, our souls are there for your safety and the safety of others. They're not there to kick you out of the range. Well, and that's one thing you brought up YouTube and being in the firearms industry only for a little while now. I've learned more just being in the range Mm -hmm. from people who have been here every day or from people who have served in the military who work here now. I learned more from them in five minutes than I did uh, in anything on YouTube. And, and I watch YouTube. I mean, don't sure get, we all do. Don't get us wrong. Like we, we there's some technique that I like to see, and and then if it's theory, I'll I'll, I'll try it, and and if it doesn't work for me, then it doesn't work for me because it may work for Travis Haley or, or those guys, and and those they are very proficient and amazing instructors. I'm not saying Costa and and Haley and those guys and T Mac, those guys are amazing. But it may just because you watch something doesn't make you an expert. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I watch drag racing. I watch <laughs> I watch MMA. I'm not going to get in an octagon with anybody just cuz I watch it doesn't mean I know how to do it. Right. Or you're not going to get in your car and drag down down the road. I can't guarantee that. <laughs> <laughs> I uh well, and and you know, even with the experience I have in in gunsmithing and and working in shooting or gun stores, I should say, mm-hmm. for quite a while now, it, when I'm out on a retail floor, Every single day I'll get that question. At least one question, if not two or three, that I have no clue what sure. they're talking about. I sure. have no idea. I don't know what that gun is that they just that they just mentioned, you know. Uh, maybe we can talk about that a little bit because most of the time, I'd say nine times out of ten, a shooting range, at least an indoor range, has a retail floor associated with yeah. it. And there are plenty of mistakes you can make in the retail side of things, yeah. looking at guns or even accessories and stuff. And, mm-hmm. and I'll preface that by saying our staff makes mistakes, too. Nobody's perfect. Um, I, we've, and I've said this before. I think we did a really good job with who we have on staff. None of our employees are like know-it-alls or super arrogant. Um, we have some very... Which is common in, yeah, this, usually, in the shooting world. Usually, and if you spend a lot of time going to gun stores... You know the stereotype. Well, we gun touched, guy. We yeah, touched we on that, that with uh, Brenda. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Mr. Macho. People I coming run. in saying this is what you need, and this yeah. is the best gun ever, and this is what you need to buy right now. And we we have opinionated staff. I'm not saying we don't, but they're not overbearing on their opinions. We make mistakes too. We don't know everything, and and we teach our staff to not pretend <laughs> that they know it because that's that's way worse. If I go somewhere and somebody obviously lies to me i don't trust i'm not going to shop there right anyway let's carry on sorry I, well i think so he was just talking about etiquette on on the in, in retail side when i'm handing a gun to somebody 
when they're handing a gun to me, magazine out, action open. Yeah. Lock, slide lock to the rear, bolt back to the rear, whatever, so that I know the condition of that firearm, or at least that gun is out of battery so it can't fire. At that point, I'm going to check the gun. Never do you hand a gun to somebody and say, oh, it's unloaded, don't worry about it. And, and this is another thing. What do people think they're going to see with a gun look by looking down the muzzle end of the of the barrel are they like pointing it at their face <laughs> yeah i've seen that so many times they live <sighs> maybe they're appreciating they're look- the rifling of the barrel yeah yeah they're looking at the gun looking it over and there was a guy there was a guy in the other day that was looking at our our guns when i came in to get blake but he was that guy and he's looking <laughs> all over these guns and and he's looking trying to look at the, the finish rif- he's and looking he's at the rifling yeah. points that gun right at his head now that and being said, like, like I'll I'll check riflings by opening the breech. Yeah, and, and I'll you put can a piece shine of a paper, flashlight yeah, down there, and I'll or look whatever. from the muzzle end. Yeah. So, I've heard stories of people saying it was on another. I listened to a lot of gun related content. Anyway, he he talked to somebody, or he heard a story of somebody. You know, I wonder if you can see the bullet go off if you look down the barrel. What? You're, you're, you may see it. I don't know, but I'm not going to. be gonna... the last thing you ever see. <laughs> Where's the logic, honestly? Yeah. I, hmm. You well, can't move fast With enough. most modern handguns, you can take the barrel out of the gun Very in about easily. 30 Super seconds. Simple. So yeah. if you want to do appreciate and admire the rifling of the barrel, yeah. that's probably the safe way to do it. But in terms of shopping for a firearm, mm-hmm. and we'll just maybe we'll dive into handguns and long guns, but let's just start sure. with handguns. What do you like to see when somebody is looking at a firearm? Because, do, you know, when you're test firing it, maybe do you point it at the ground or point it up or just point it away from somebody? Well, yeah. What makes you feel the most comfortable? So safe direction is always important. And you got to, at your home, you have to establish what you feel is the safest mm-hmm. direction, right? We talked about that in the, the general safety rules. Um, inside the retail space, it is either the floor or the ceiling. And I and, and kudos to our customers. I do see that a lot. Yeah. They're very conscientious of where they're putting that pointing that gun when they're dry firing. Yeah, because that's what I do. Anytime I anybody hands me a gun, I point it downrange or what I know is a, a wall that's yeah. an exterior wall that's going to stop that bullet mm-hmm. or um, at least slow it down enough to not cause some gun change. stores have almost like a shooting booth, I guess, for lack of a better term, inside their stores that has ballistic panels, you know, on three sides. Um, so when they if a customer wants to dry fire a gun, the staff walks them over to that place, and that's where they dry fire the gun. They have little targets or whatever on the wall to, to check out the sights. Um, that's kind of a good idea. It, it. If you have half a dozen people who want to dry fire yeah, a gun, though, it's gonna you'll take have a, you'll a, have a waiting long line. line. But it's uh, it's, nonetheless, you got to establish what's the safest direction, right? Because again, we're treating everything right, like it's loaded, right? No exceptions, no matter what. Yeah. Uh, what about long guns, though? Because we have a. We have an impressive wall of long guns. Yeah, there's a couple still up there. Couple, uh, and I think the rule is here: you're free to. They all have flags in them. Mm-hmm. They all have chamber should, flags yeah. that actually start in the action and go all the way through, pointed out to the barrel, so it's completely obvious that they're clear. Yep. But you can just still just pick them up. But it's still a good idea to point them either at the ground or mm-hmm. the ceiling or in a safe direction. Yeah, um, we also have animal heads up high. So if you want to pretend that yeah. you're hunting, yeah, that's a good. That's a good idea. Yeah, point right at the target. <laughs> yeah, you know, whenever I'm handing a rifle or something, I'm always dropping the bolt, making sure that, uh, and I'll hand it to him open bolt. Well, and and so 
I want to kind of put a caveat on what I said earlier. If there's a if there's a lady or somebody new to shooting that has absolutely no clue how to function that firearm, they don't know how to open the slide or rack the bolt to the rear or whatever. All you need to do is you need to come to an associate and say, my gun is in my bag. Uh, or bring the case out. My gun is in this case. Yeah. I have no clue what condition it is in. I can't function it. Can you teach me about this firearm? At that point, the the associate should be um, adept enough they're to, not, and they're not going to reach in your purse. <laughs> yeah, you, they can they can take this out, this gun, clear it safely by pointing it at the floor. Make sure that it's clear. And then at that point, proceed to disassemble the firearm or whatever in instruction you need. Yeah. So don't feel nervous that you have to come in here and know how to even function your firearm. Just let us know, yeah. and we'll take care of it. And if you want to spend time one-on-one -on -one time, we do private instruction, or, or we have some ladies instructors that are awesome. We want to be able to – we don't want to belittle the customer in any sort of way. We want to teach as much as possible. So if you, if you feel like you need to spend some time with just an instructor, just – whether in the classroom or in the range, my, my RSOs are not there to teach you a lesson. So you can't just say, hey, will you spend some time? They might be in there for you know, two, three minutes, but that's not their job is to teach, right? I, they can teach, but they're not instructors. Let's put it that way. Don't don't be scared to come out and, and talk to, to Rick or me or, or any of the other. Well, and we any of us are willing to yeah. give, a, even if it's not a private lesson, a 15-minute rundown just so you can have an enjoyable experience yeah. if it's we, your brand new, yeah. you're brand new to it. And another pet peeve, I guess, right here is guys can be jerks, right? Complete a-holes. <laughs> um, it's not uncommon. I'm going to say they tend. It's not uncommon for a husband or a boyfriend to hand uh, their their lady companion a large firearm and think it's funny. A large caliber, like yeah. a forty four mag, or and, and what they're doing in reality is ruining the experience. If mm -hmm. if she is not used to shooting or never shot before, don't give her a huge gun, forty four magnum, even a nineteen eleven might be too much in, in forty five, and do not buy or let her shoot like the LCP or something really small in a three eighty. Okay, you need to have a little bit more understanding of a firearm to run a small 380. Yeah, that's that's not Big a cute training. gun. Yeah, um, start her off with a 22 or maybe a full size nine millimeter. Something's got some weight to it that that absorbs some of that recoil. Don't be the guy that thinks it's funny that she has to manage some ridiculous amount of recoil. And or, she doesn't. Or have the fun. guy has to show off his like, look what I can do. You, much you shoot this. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. that shows I'm strong. You know, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Any any experienced woman shooter can handle any caliber. They just have to have the proper training. Yeah. Same with guys. Everybody has to have the proper foundational yeah. um, and that's, training. And that's a better way to put it. It's not that she can't handle the recoil. I know some very capable women, very capable shooters that can Far handle Far more anything. capable than any of us sitting at this table. Yes. Definitely. A hundred percent. Um, so it's not that they can't, it's not that they're too small and they don't, they're too weak or whatever. They can do it. But if they're new shooter, shooters, don't ruin the experience. Because if, if they have a negative experience, if they think all guns are going to recoil that bad, then they're not going to want to shoot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're doing the, the hobby a disservice. That Absolutely. Way. We had an experience actually in one of the classes. So one of the ladies came up um, before class. She's like, I am two minutes new to shooting. She's been in a gun store for two minutes and that's as 
much as she's ever spent. She just, her brother and her sister had just purchased a firearm for her. Um, they got the LCP two. Mm-hmm. And I looked at her and I said, you know, and I didn't want to be offensive, but I was like, usually this gun is, even though it looks small and unassuming, this gun is a whole lot more to handle than people mm-hmm. realize. And uh, and I was like, I would, I would put you into a twenty-two target gun. We we put her into the Smith and Wesson Victory, uh, which is a twenty-two, and it has weight behind it. Weight is your friend with firearms. Um, but so she so she went out and she took that class and she shot that twenty-two. She loved it. I mean, she had the she had the experience she was looking for. Then right. the instructor at the end let her shoot her gun, her three eighty. She shot it one time and she said, "Oh, I'm selling that thing." Yeah, <laughs> we see that did. in classes a lot where people don't feel comfortable with this. They buy it because it's small and maybe yeah. it fits their hand better. Well, but they it, think it's cute. They do it a lot of different, you know, different colors that might be cool for the lady to buy. Appeal yeah. to it, but the function of it is going to be a lot more difficult. It, it requires more technique, mm-hmm. and especially when people are new to shooting and they don't have a good solid grip, that smaller gun may actually. The recoil may not actually operate. Yeah, in the slide back, and yep. it, you might limp wrist it, and you might have a short malfunction. Stroke, short mm-hmm. stroke the slide. Or something. Yeah, yep. and that actually brings me to another good point: renting firearms. Obviously, you want to try something mm-hmm. out, or maybe you want to shoot a gun you don't have or never yep. have shot before. What's kind of the etiquette behind renting a firearm? Um, for you don't have to have a complete understanding of guns to rent a gun. Mm-hmm. Okay, first of all, we have foreigners come in that, that rent guns that have never touched guns and we're cool with that we're 100% cool with that uh, there are some age requirements on some of our guns um, we're not going to rent handguns to anybody under 21 um, same with uh, autos if you're under 21 you can't rent the auto if you're under 18 you're not going to get to shoot an auto that's just the way it is uh, so keep that in mind but you're welcome to rent guns if you come in you can have an adult with you if, if you want your 18 year old to shoot a handgun that's fine but you got to have somebody 21 there that's that's the adult. Mm-hmm. Um, you do have to buy our ammunition. That's probably the customer's biggest complaint. We have an agreement with the manufacturers and with our, our distributors. Um, those guns are basically, I guess, leased would be a best, a best way to put it to us. So we have to honor that lease by using... 100% factory ammunition. And as I mentioned earlier, we've had a couple blow up already because people using their own Yeah, not our reloads. guns. Their guns. Not, yeah, not our rental, but their own personal firearms. And, and that's that, the last thing we want in our rental guns. Well, and that's, I think that them up. policy is pretty much accepted across the board. Is it, if you're going to rent a gun, universal. you're going to have to use factory and I've or been store to, ammo. I've been to ranges that if you even shoot on their range, you have to use yeah, their ammo. somewhere that way. And that's going back to rule number four about your target and what's beyond it, yeah. because some people might decide to bring in tracer ammo yeah. or bring in something that's not compatible with the berm that you're using. Yeah, which is a good side note here. Um, no tracers, no uh, penetrating rounds. Uh, no incendiary, which should be pretty obvious. Um, green tip are included. We we no green tip, please. I know you got it for a smoking deal, but no green tip in our range. Um, it's not that our berm won't handle it; it's that it's really hard on everything else. Um, and I don't think you want to pay for a target carrier. Um, I know what they cost, and if you want to know what they cost, <laughs> uh, that that's the problem. That it, let's just say it, it's a lot of money. More than you will are willing to spend. It's a lot of money. Especially those nice ones that spin around yeah. and are programmable and everything. You could buy a car. 
<laughs> so let's let's just not break stuff. <laughs> yeah, you have to consider your ammo. No. Um, Same with birdshot. We don't. You're welcome to bring your shotguns, but please no birdshot. Buckshot. Buckshot and slug only. Because some ranges I is know are any, slugs only. Is there any specific size about with buck? Or is it just any buckshot? Well, you need something with a little bit more weight. So the, mm-hmm. the problem with birdshot is it will pepper the, if it's 25 yards more, it'll pepper the, the carrier. But what really happens is it doesn't penetrate the berm. The berm doesn't capture it. It will bounce back because there's not enough weight for it to, to go into the, the rubber berm. So it makes a mess. You'll get BBs all the way back to the shooting line. Um, you'll feel BBs hitting you, not with enough velocity to, to cause injury, but it, it's just messy. It's not. Uh, yeah, we just, yeah. Just, just don't do it. Well, that's, and I think that is probably the best thing to close on is when you're done shooting and you're ready to go home, what's the best way to pack up and clean up the booth? Sure. Uh, because you do want to. One of the things I love about Independence is how clean the yeah. range is. We keep a super clean range, and it's important to clean up after yourself when you're done. Yeah. So the next we'll shooter leave can it ready for the next guy. Enjoy a nice clean gal. booth. So we have garbage cans, uh, ammunition boxes don't need to go on the floor. Um, it, it happens. I understand it, but we have garbage cans for a reason. So please take your target and anything other than your brass, throw it in the garbage can. Um, if you're keeping your brass, uh, have something ready to put it in. You can even put it in the ammo box that you brought it in. Um, otherwise, the RSO can do it. I understand that. But why not do it if you're there? Push the brass across the firing line. Um, just make it tidy for the next person. Make sure that uh, when you leave, washing your hands is important. Okay, um, That goes to the hygiene part. When I talk about hygiene, it's kind of funny. People think, not not talking about how you shower and brush your teeth, (laughs) but I am talking about washing your hands. When you you get lead residue, powder residue on your hands, so rubbing your eyes, picking your nose, eating a hamburger afterwards. Well, even in your skin, it'll just start to absorb. You will absorb it. There's not enough lead from one visit to to have a lot of concern, but prolonged exposure. the cumulative effect yeah. is, is a real thing. So we have we have D-lead soap in our restrooms and in the vestibule of our ranges, we have D-lead soap there that it doesn't neutralize lead, but it gets it off the skin, I guess is the best way to put it. It helps release it from whatever's keeping it on there. So please wash your hands, clean it up. Don't, don't think it's not a big deal. Um, I've talked to very active shooters that have spent time in other ranges that their lead levels are extremely high. Um, because they didn't. And they lead poisoning is no fun. No, no fun way to start dying. No. Yeah. So, and and that even goes back to clothing a little bit. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, we spend a little more time on the range and in yep. front of the firing line, yep. more than most people. But to that end, I've actually got a dedicated pair of kind of shooting shoes. They're just a pair of beater mm-hmm. Nikes or whatever. They're nothing special, but. I know that walking on the range, you're going to get lead on it. You're yeah. going to get gunshot residue and everything like that and yeah. powder. So I actually just keep those in my car. And when I come here, I change into them. Well, and that's another that way thing. That's not getting anywhere else. That's another thing to think about. Do you walk on your carpet with the shoes that you just on the range with? Mm-hmm. Um, and then do you have little toddlers that are then crawling on that mm-hmm. carpet, getting it on their fingers, putting or their fingers pets. in their mouth? Yeah. Pets, you know, sniffing or yeah. moving around or yeah, whatever. And, and, and like I said, if you, if you're a once a week, maybe once every two weeks of a shooter, there's probably not enough to really 
cause a problem. If you're taking a class and you go downrange to take some of our classes, it's probably not as big as a problem. Our air handling unit, that's the other thing is airborne, right? That's a big deal. So if you go to a range that um, may not be as up to date um, or up, up to par, I guess, would be a better way with their filtration system. If you're not getting enough air movement, um, you can get exposed to airborne stuff. And that's probably, that that's the biggest exposure is through the nose and mouth right where you're breathing. Um, so here at the range, you shouldn't have to worry about it. we got awesome airflow. You can't um, even smell the gunshot yeah. powder or gunpowder. I apologize if it's, if it's really or... cold or really hot when you come. Shoot. We're having issues with our temperature control that <laughs> somehow they can't figure it out. Um, but, yeah, just know that the, the hazard's there. It's real. It's, it's, a real it's something to consider. Yeah. Um, another thing I want to bring up as far as leaving the range clean is sweep all the brass forward of the mm-hmm. firing line. Yep. And remember, just like walking around the retail floor, um, you're taking you're not taking the gun back to your case that's at in the back of the range on the tables. You're yeah, taking your case, case to the, the bench, and then your gun goes into the case or back into the holster, wherever it goes. But it does that at the booth, so you're not carrying the gun around. And if you see the, if you're a shooter and you see somebody do it, and our range officer might be have his back turned, um, it may be uncomfortable. But remind that other shooter, hey. Just, bring the case up yeah. leave the gun just remember the there's a rule and it's we have our rules stated inside the range and I, I did that for a reason to help legitimize my range officers when they say hey look right at there see that you agreed to these rules and when you bring your case to the bench you want to make sure you rotate that case so when you put your firearm in the case it will be pointed down range yeah. the whole time that's something to consider too well and that's another thing too when you're unpacking you look inside your case and you say oh which way is the gun pointing let me rotate it mm-hmm. so that when I take it out, I'm not flagging myself and everybody else it's, behind me. In reality, it's really it's just common sense. Yeah. And then you apply that with courtesy at the range, and that's it. Yeah. It's and not hard. What I do on my case, on my gun cases, you mark it. I put an arrow to where that muzzle's going, so then you just yep. make sure you point that down range, and you're good to go. That's a good idea. Um, Easy peasy. Yeah. So, any clothing closing thoughts on clothing? I thoughts? have clothing. Like, well, I we already hate, know I you like spaghetti polyester. strap. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> uh, but any closing thoughts on range etiquette? Maybe something that we didn't cover that you want to touch on? Um, any uh, more good stories? Yeah, real quick. Um, kids on the range. I had somebody yesterday bring toddlers. Um, like three, two years old. Very, very little children, uh, and. and not to shoot, but just to hang out while he shot. Please don't. Um, you won't be allowed to shoot. We're not babysitters, so we're not going to be watching your kids while you shoot. Um, nobody under nine can shoot on the range. If you have somebody younger, I've I've let people go in double ear pro, right? The kids will not be shooting if they're under nine. Mm-hmm. That's just the way it is. Um, but if if you have no choice, you don't have any to watch the youngins. It can it can be a traumatic experience for children well and they're developing still their kit and their eyes mm-hmm. they're uh well and you brought up lead too i mean they're yeah it, and and because there's they have less blood volume in them it's a higher concentration so that's to be considered but but don't bring your <laughs> just kids. don't yeah i don't know how to say that without sound like a real jerk but that's just the truth it's just common sense yeah and then just be mindful of the rules. If you have any questions, we have a great safety brief video uh, to pat myself on the back. But it, it is a great safety video that, that goes through all the rules. 
Um, we still have to figure out how to get it on our website. We'll get it there. But we come in, it takes about four or five minutes. You watch the video. It covers everything. And then if you have questions, instead of being or feel like you're being belittled by the range officer, how about you ask? Yeah, I think. And, and to close it up, I think there it really boils down to about four key points. Mm. One, think about it before you do it. Yeah. Two, mind the four rules of gun safety Please. at all times. Three, over communicate and ask questions. Yep. And four, clean up after yourself when you're done. Yeah, it it's not difficult. It really is not. It's pretty simple, but you have to maintain it and keep uh, maintain that top of mind awareness of it. And again, no case, no uncased or unholstered guns in the store. We fight that a lot. Every day, you think? Every day. <laughs> and it is literally written written on the front door. Yeah. I imagine just like there are people who probably don't even no. notice that it's there. And I understand so. that. But but I guess the more the more you hear it as the customers and the more you understand it, please, and tell your buddies the same thing. It. I don't want to have any, any confusion or have any accidents inside the store or the range. Well, and the point behind all of this is so you can have fun because obviously mm-hmm. shooting is super fun. Yeah. But you have to maintain that safety. And as long as you maintain that safety, you can have fun. Yeah. And that's what we want you to do. I guarantee if you accidentally shoot somebody um, because you didn't follow protocols or, or the range rules or something, your, your life will change. 100%. Yeah. And, and it could have been easily avoided. Well, we're going to end on that somewhat negative note, but... It's positive. It's, it's positive. positive. Just be safe, and if you're safe, you'll be able to have fun. Yeah. Ricky, any closing thoughts? Yep. No thoughts there. at all. <laughs> no thoughts at all from him. Thanks, so. guys. Yep. Thank you for listening, uh, and uh, if you have a question or something that we missed, uh, email us, podcast at iishooting.com, or yeah. find uh, Independence Indoor Shooting on Facebook and send us a message. Yeah, and if you have any particular topics or if you have a gun that you want to review on or anything like that, put that in there, too. Uh, we'll be happy to, to do something that you guys want to hear. Yep. Uh, the more feedback we get, the better show we can make for you. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening. And I won't wear spaghetti straps. Oh, God, not again. <laughs> thanks. See you guys. Thanks for listening to Range Minded. If you've got a comment, question, idea for the show, or any feedback, send us an email to podcast at iishooting.com or send us a message on our Facebook page. Just search Independence Indoor Shooting. Again, thanks for listening to Range Minded. We'll see you next time. <laughs>